Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. Welcome to today's show. Today we're talking about human capital ROI. That's return on investment for all you that uh, don't know what that is. Most companies look to HR for compliance. And today we're going to take a look at how human resources can positively affect profit rather than holding down costs. I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Our mission is to discuss and deconstruct insights from top performing entrepreneurs and industry experts every week. We uncover tested tactical solutions to solve your company's toughest hiring problems. Today, our guest is Rod Swartwood. Rod is the founder and president of HR Prime, a full-service HR consultancy specializing in strategic and tactical creation of best-in-class talent management practices and world-beating teams. Um, from HRIS roles with the with government agencies in the early days of land-based business commuting through his strategic HR leadership roles at startups and Fortune 300 companies, his 26 years of practical HR leadership in a variety of verticals, coupled with his degrees in organizational psychology and business, give him a unique opportunity to guide both young organizations and established entities to greater productivity and profits. Rod, welcome to the show today. Thank you, Rick. Yeah. So we're we're kind of kindred spirits. We look at uh, we look at things fairly similar. I, I had the opportunity to sit on a talk that you gave for Octane, and uh, I really like kind of your quality approach to your craft, uh, which I carry I, I hold a high affinity for as well. Um, so I like the fact that you want to you, you do things right, and so which is why I wanted to have you on the show. A couple of things I want to cover with you is kind of your view on human resources. Um, I want to talk about reasons for kind of rethinking your view on HR um, from a, an executive perspective. Um, and we're going to manage, manage, uh, specifically with HCROI. And then uh, on the second part of the show, we're going to talk about uh, steps to build a strong human capital talent management program and prioritize it at the, the top of the pyramid. Okay. So let's talk about your, pro your approach to an effective HR department. Well, um I start with the fact that too many people sort of misclassify HR as as overly reliant on the compliance side of things. Yeah. It's the old personnel department that makes sure your your handbook is in good shape, you're writing people up when they do something wrong uh, and that you've, uh, you've, you've 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 you're not getting sued by anyone and you're meeting all the government compliances that uh, compliance rules that you need to meet, which is sure. perfectly fine. It's an important base of of the pyramid if you will. Sure. Um, that and employee benefits, right? Well, employee benefits, yeah. which which are, you aren't required to offer. You, yeah. you, you want to, if you're a good employee value proposition, if you're a place people want to work, you offer good benefits. Sure. Um, but it's it's more in the treatment of people. Uh, uh, they they the the old school. I'm going to use that word. Believe that it's it's really about control of the workforce. Sure. Whereas. If you want higher productivity, it's more about giving them autonomy. And there is no control of the workforce. <laughs> it, it doesn't. It work. just doesn't happen. It doesn't exist. But um, many people 
mostly uh, leadership CEOs. If you if you talk to them, they'll think of HR as well. That's the group that keeps me from getting sued. They're they're ones that, yeah, they hire people, but they make sure we don't ask any inc- you know illegal questions when we're hiring, or they make sure that no one grabs anybody in the bathroom or anything like that. Well, sure. Okay, that's absolutely important, and it's an essential cost of doing business, especially in California. Sure. But there's so much on the upside of the pyramid, the the strategic side of things that can generate greater productivity and effectiveness mm-hmm. in your workforce that don't have anything to do with the rules and regs. So what is the typical pyramid for most kind of the way that an executive looks at it? Like, what does that look like for an HR organization? Uh, unfortunately, they don't look they don't look at it as a pyramid. They, yeah. they generally look at it as um, as this this base in, of 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 compliance. This is what we need to do to stay away from breaking a law or getting sure. sued. Then they'll put another layer on top of it, which is the tactical application of those things, which means the processes, how you get things done. Sure, how application, you, yeah, making how, sure you have all the... Making sure the stuff's in place so that yeah. the hiring process goes well, people get onboarded, and, and there's another place where there's some misconception. Sure. On, onboarding to most people means the proper paperwork and a file. No, it, it should probably <laughs> go a step above that and yeah. talk about culturizing and having somebody get your vision and and know how they can contribute so it, it the highest level of the pyramid is strategic and it's an alignment between the vision that you have as a leader or a company mm-hmm. the goals that you have and the values that you help use to create those things and if those are aligned you get greater productivity but people don't spend a lot of time on that they just assume it's going to happen sure sure okay so how how do you structure a an organization if you if you were to come in and, and help them out yeah that's if if i had the magic wand <laughs> it, it, it would be from the leadership down sure. and they would see the importance of it um it's it's funny jack jack welch wrote this about 30 years ago in his book winning he said that the the head of human resources should probably be uh, as important if not more important than the cfo in an organization and should directly report to the ceo because that's what it's all about Sure. You, you, you differentiate yourself, differentiate yourself, differentiate yourself as a business financially by the people you have. The sure. right people aligned and performing effectively will beat a group of people who are just there to keep their jobs any day. Yeah. And and I think um, if you look at most, there's a lot of really good HR people that are out there. And then there's some that are, again, just so cluttered up with the compliance issues and the other things that they just don't have time to focus on those other things that. Well, the, the analogy I use is, is in your finance department in, in any company, there's, well, large enough company, there's usually a CFO, mm-hmm. then there's some controllers, and then there's some accounting managers, and then there's some clerks. And, and, and if you see that striation of skill set as necessary for the business, because one level is doing tactical things, one level is doing compliance things, one level is doing strategic things. Yeah. But they don't duplicate that in HR for some reason. They they stick to the compliance level. That's not saying that that's a bad HR person who's doing all compliance work. It's just all the organization is allowing them to do. No, and I'm not implying that there's bad HR people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just think that uh, HR gets stuck with all the things that nobody else wants to do a lot of times, right? Well, it definitely. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I mean, I I've seen yeah. it all in 26 years. I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> I've been I have two on the recruiting <laughs> side for sure. Yeah. So. Well, let's talk about this concept of uh, human capital return on investment. So um, y- you actually taught me a little bit about this, which I was pretty fascinated by. So what's the formula for for um, 
human capital ROI. Well, the the math and it and all of this can come from uh, your finance department. Almost sure. all of it's in your in your uh, balance sheet P and L, your, your your financial documents. But it's it's um, the math is you isolate uh, people cost from total expense. And then you take that away from revenue, and then you divide that number against your people cost. So okay. what you end up, the, the formula is revenue minus total expense minus people cost divided by people cost. And what that creates is a ratio that's very much like earnings per share. Okay. So, so think of earnings per share as the, the earnings you get per each share of stock. Sure. This would be the profit you get per each dollar of people spend. Okay. That's the simple version. Got it. And, and, if, and when you look at this, People look at a lot of metrics in HR now. They didn't used to look at any, yeah. but now they start to look at metrics. One of the one of the metrics is um, thank you Google for data driven and you know <laughs> right. analysis. Yeah. But but many people will focus on a metric like revenue per head. Mm-hmm. Okay, it, it's a good metric, and people can kind of gauge where you are. If you're two hundred two hundred fifty thousand dollars in revenue per head, you're doing something like other people are doing. Sure. But if you decide to have a massive layoff and let 30 people, you know, 30 people, 30,000 people, whatever the size of your organization is, go. Now your revenue per head for the following 12 months, because the lag effect of revenue dropping from those those people effects is going to be slow yeah. and your revenue per head is going to look great. Got it. But your profit per people dollar is not going to go up that much. Yeah. And th- this is a mitigating factor. It's why you, you use earnings per share to take a look at a stock Got purchase it. rather than, than the cost of the share. Got it. So what what should a so if a company is kind of at the break even point what what should that number look like? Okay, I can only go from the companies I've worked with and done this metric on. And, sure. And that would be um, in similar companies. It depends on what type of industry it is because you're isolating people cost from uh, operational cost. Got it. So if it's a very capital intensive organization, that number might not be that big. But if it's a lot of paper, like insurance companies or things like that, you can end up having a larger number. Sure. So in, you know, in my time, I've seen that number be anywhere from uh, uh, 101%, meaning a, a penny back in profit for every dollar spent on people. Sure. Okay. All the way up to two and three and four dollars wow. in profit for every dollar spent on people. Okay. Like a warranty business or an insurance business. So they are are you in fact basing it on productivity? It it is a it is a an extension of the productivity level that you're getting. Okay. In other words, you've 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 hired a bunch of people, you're paying them a certain amount of money, you're paying their benefits, you're paying their tax the payroll taxes, you're paying their bonuses, you're 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 doing a number of things that cost you money to have them there. Yeah. They're returning an amount of profit, which isolates other costs besides people costs from the revenue that that you can measure and if it's usually a trend analysis that works best because any point in time it could be great because you had a good month or yeah. whatever so you look at trend over time and you can mitigate the outlying numbers by by doing a you know a 12 month rolling or a 3 month rolling whatever you, you feel is necessary and you can get an idea is this thing going up relative to what my revenue is going up or re- revenue uh, relative to any other number or is it going down while my revenue is going up in which case I've got more revenue coming in and I'm paying my people more, but I'm not getting more out of it yeah. on the profit end. Yeah. So what cost factors? You have to look at other things. Yeah. But it, it should be rising and it should be above a 20% return, I would think. And, you know, if you're not getting 20% back from the people investment, and I mean, yeah. it's not that good. Yeah, exactly. So 
would this be something that you can implement in a smaller company that's maybe pre-revenue though? Yeah, that's where you'd have to plug in yeah. um, investment dollars as revenue. Okay. Or uh, maybe take out research and development as a cost so that you can mitigate the, the wide swing. Okay. It, it, there's a way to get an indication over time. You, you just have to figure a new number for revenue. Got it. And therefore a new number for profit. Got it. Because you may not So have whether it. or not you're able to raise the next round of funding, mm -hmm. and when that funding comes in, you... Yeah, you could call that revenue for now. Sure. To measure this effectiveness. Now, the, the, the other thing with that is... Um, if you're losing money, which some companies do for many, many, many years, months, oh, yeah. you, you, you still have a number. It's just going to be below a dollar. You, yeah. You're going to be 93 cents back for every dollar you spend okay, or something like that. But if that trend is dropping more and more and more, you're throwing more good money after bad in terms of productivity and profit. Got it. So you're doing this year, year after year or, or month after month. You're kind of gauging it. I uh, like, I like to use monthly. Okay. And then mitigate um, at least quarterly uh, trend analysis rather rather than using the monthly because there's too wide of swings because you could have bonus payout in one month that would turn that whole thing upside down. Oh yeah. Um, I I also want to caution that if you go to the doctor and and he just takes one measurement on you and says your blood pressure is this you're good go home you do want <laughs> other measurements yeah to to go with this and sure. so. There are many other metrics that you should add to this to see the health of your organization. Got this it. is just a good one for people and productivity and and if whether or not you're getting a lot out of your people investment. Got it. Got it. Uh, is time factored factored into this as well? Only maybe in, the amount of time that they're they're investing in the company. Well, it should um, it should uh, rectify itself in terms of time because. You're going to have new people who are still learning the job. You're going to have people who are established and been there a while who are really effective. Now, if you do it on an individual basis, you you know you, you really it, it really isn't fair because certain people have gotten to a point in their career where they can't return as much as they're getting. Yeah. Uh, but they're teaching others, and that shows up in those people's metrics. So it's better to do a company wide. You can do department. <clears throat> you can do uh, division. You can do you know if you have different locations, you can do locations and. And can compare and contrast. I did that for a company that had the Bay Area and a San Diego office, and it was pretty eye-opening. Oh, to see which one was more productive. Mm -hmm. oh, very cool. This is great stuff. So we're talking to Rod Swartwood, the founder and president of HR Prime, about human capital ROI. We need to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about how to implement kind of ROI into your company op operations. You're listening to Higher Power with Rick Gerard, giving you access to recruiting techniques that will help you hire key talent to build your company towards real success. Rick is a recruiting executive and entrepreneur who's been successfully recruiting in the aggressive Silicon Valley technology landscape for the past two decades. After a very successful stint at Apogee, he founded Stride Search in 2012. Based on a lean efficiency model, Stride has uniquely positioned itself as a leader in retained search for the most critical talent hires within a small organization. Whether you're a startup executive or recruiting professional, by listening to Higher Power with Rick Gerard, you will walk away with skills to help you attract and hire great talent. Now back to Higher Power with Rick Gerard. And welcome back to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Gerard. And our guest today is Rod Swartwood, president of HR Prime. So we just discussed a little bit about what human capital return on investment is. Now we're going to explore how to implement that into your systems and, and talk about, you know, how to put together a plan and and, uh, and uh, build it into your company. So now what I'd like to do is delve into kind of 
talent management aspect and how HCROI approach not only attracts better people, but how it helps retain them. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I think that companies that measure things like this, people that, that, that look at people as a productivity enhancer, a profit enhancer, rather mm -hmm. than a cost to control, yes. that, that they are automatically showing their employees that they matter in a way that's going to benefit both them and the leadership of the organization, the organization's shareholder. So you said something key there, cost to control. People are not a cost to control. They're, they're not. They're, but they're looked at. And yeah. I mean, the term human resources, I mean, capital resources are something that you talk about value with, yeah. right? Yeah. You'd say, well, I want to buy this tractor instead of this tractor because it gives better value. It performs better. Sure. But they don't talk about that with people necessarily. They, they accept who they get as a warm body to fill a spot to do the work they need to do. And they expect that, well, this person's going to do the job because they, they want to work here. They need the job. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's not necessarily automatic. Yeah. Well, somebody who needs the job doesn't necessarily want to work there. They're taking it because right. the job's available to them. Mm -hmm. And they're probably not performing up to their maximum standards if they just are taking the job because they need it. The number one, right. the number one reason for mediocre performance or, or even low performance, and conversely, the reason for high performance is whether or not the person, the employee, their values are aligned with the values, goals, and directions of the company. They have a purpose. They have a purpose. Yeah. And and uh, Daniel Pink talks about autonomy, mastery, and purpose as three things that the workforce is really looking for. Absolutely. And especially today when there's no factory work. It's really all high-level. It's all knowledge-based knowledge work. Based. Yeah. So so the the way to instill this in your organization is to look at it holistically. You, you, you don't just say, well, I need to recruit a spot, so I'll try to find a good person and, and do a good job of interviewing. And once I get them, they'll be fine. I'll put them out there and they'll do the work. <laughs> that happens all the time, <laughs> though. All the time. <laughs> it happens far too often. And and maybe six out of ten times it works, yeah. Yeah. okay, if you're lucky. You, yeah. you Because people are flexible and they can adjust and adapt. Yeah. But they don't stay long because after a while that gets old, going to work to a place that you don't really want to go to because you don't feel that you have a higher purpose or you're yeah. doing something worthwhile. So the way I, I look at it, and I, I created this acronym, uh, ASCEND, mm -hmm. um, attract, select, culturize, engage, inspire, and develop. So it's a suite of things that happen to match the word rise up and sure. know, get better or, or okay. higher. Sure. And, um, and the attract part is the employment brand you have. That's what you stand for. That's your values and, and who you are. And how you engage candidates. And, and, well, engages is another step. Okay. Right. My bad. I'm skipping ahead. <laughs> but um, okay. But having a good employment brand is important. And you get, that, sure. you get that through being who you say you are to the people who are there so that they can word of mouth it out to the world. Got okay? it. Okay. Then once you get people coming to want to work there, you select the ones that are aligned with your values, your goals, and objectives. Mm -hmm. And that's a tough That's a tough job you do it all the time oh yeah you know how difficult it is yeah matching somebody's wants with mm -hmm. you know with what your opportunity is is well just recruiting and interviewing at all is a yeah. tough job but yeah. what we what we do is we leave it to hiring managers who don't have any skill set in that yeah they're good at what they do well they're good at asking the technical questions or getting right. to the root of whether or not the person can do the job right but whether they fit culturally or whether or not they're going to actually excel in the job absolutely know, that, that kind of 
and and, and that's he, a big part of our touch, you know. Right and yes, asking good questions beyond the technical and interpreting their answers to see if they'll be a good indicator in the yeah. future. Yeah. Those are those are good skills to have. Most managers don't have them. Yeah. So well, you know, it's funny. Google took managers out of the hiring process completely. Yeah. Well, you either have to do that or train them really yeah. well. So you, managers don't have a choice in who they hire. They're, they they have a panel that does an ob totally objective interview. If they meet the bar, then they place them in a mm -hmm. role with a manager. Well, since we're talking about Google, don't they have a pretty good employment brand too? I yeah, mean, they do. So now you've got the first two steps. Yeah. And I'm sure that they but, do. But some small startup, I mean, that, oh, yeah. you know, that's, that's a tough thing. Well, there's something that appeals about small startups to some people. And that's... To a lot of people. To a lot of people. Yeah. And finding that person... It, without just looking at their resume as a as a technical indicator of their ability to do a job, mm -hmm. like you said, yeah. their uh, their their alignment, their their feelings of of I share this value and I'm going to make this my purpose, just like you've made it yours. Yeah, yeah. So then the next step is to culturize, and that's where you get them completely. It, it's called onboarding in most places, but again, we, we said that's paperwork. We should just say culture a bunch more times because our engineer, Paul, just hates that word, and I love it <laughs> to no extent. So. Well, I, I needed I needed a word that started with C. Yeah, so. I, I get you on that one. <laughs> but, but it is true because you, your values equal your culture, yeah. and that is your employment brand. So exactly. you need to get them involved in that, and that can be through a lot of different ways, but um, but we don't need to go into the detail. But yep. The, the next step is engaging them, and that's where, okay, you've got their body there, you've got their hands working, but now you need their heads and their hearts. Got it. And I told a couple stories um, at the uh, Octane thing about, about some, well, a local company, Edwards Life Science, that brings people who've had their heart valves in, in, you know, implanted in them, and they introduce them face-to-face -face with the technician that made it. Oh, wow. And there's tears and hugs and balloons and food, and, and that person. That's super powerful. That technician. Yeah comes to work every day thinking they save lives. Yeah. Not they make heart valves. Yeah. So that kind of engagement is priceless. Yeah. And now you've got, you know, now that kind of takes, that kind of mentality takes care of inspiration because every day these people are coming to work inspired to help you achieve your goals. They're on your team. Yeah. They're not just there to collect a paycheck. Yeah. And then finally, <clears throat> not, you have to develop your people. Assuming that you've got somebody with experience and technical skills and then they come to work for you and they go, okay, good, you're good, go to work. Continuous learning is the thing. Yeah. It's always been, but now it's forefront. Yeah. And young people especially, but even people my age, I love learning new things. I and do it, as well. Yeah. And, you know, if you're not learning, you're dying. That's right. Right? It's greener, green and growing or ripe and rotting. Yeah, exactly. And and if you don't offer development opportunities, even if it's just giving someone stretch assignments to, to get them out of their comfort zone, not just sending them to class, then now you've got this stair-step thing that has built the attraction of your job uh, employment brand yeah. to the point where good people want to come there. You don't have to hunt for them as hard. Yeah. So once you get that cycle going, it, it does create the, uh, an easier way to keep turnover down, productivity up. Well, and it also translates over into when people are in the interview process, they become more attracted to it because they see that people are mm -hmm. fully developed. They're engaged and developed. That's right. And they, know, they, those are hand in hand, right? They tend not to leave as often or as yeah. fast. And yeah. I mean, the, everything is related. That's why I call it a holistic approach. Yeah. And good HR leaders who have the ear of the CEO, they can definitely get these things in place beyond the, the, the files and the dotted I's and uh, cross T's that they have to put in place to make sure they don't get sued. So yeah. it can be built on a compliance. And again, we talked about the pyramid. Compliance at the base, tactical application in the middle, and strategic 
um, alignment with the company's goals at the top. Now, I'm curious, just in this, I'm going to totally throw you for a loophole here because we didn't prep this, but so to build out an effective HR department, I've always been of the, you know, most, most people who are kind of heading up in HR department really don't want much to do with the recruiting side. And usually they bring in a recruiter or something like that to come in and, and kind of build that side up, right? So when you're building a an HR department or a talent management organization, what's the most effective way to kind of build something out? Maybe starting small and then, you know, like maybe a mid-sized company. Where do you get the most ROI out of that department? Let me see what I've, let me tell you what I've seen. <laughs> totally most, most small companies <laughs> have a CFO or a controller running the quote unquote HR department, which is really the office manager or yeah. their, their, their accounting clerk keeping files. Got it. And so your first step would be to get that CFO controller, per, you know, the operations person, whoever has been given this uh, uh, hated assignment of running yeah. HR yeah. in a small company to see that, Hey, you know what? You wouldn't ask me to close your books, uh, or to, to run a financial analysis. Yeah. Why would you be doing these things that are not in your um, uh, in your area of, of expertise? So if you can get the CEO to say, look, I, I want you to do what you do, and let me bring in some help, even if it's fractional, like yeah. one day a week, you can then teach managers who are doing the hiring anyway, because they're not going to bring in a recruiter yet. Yeah. You can teach them to do a slightly better job. Yep. Once the slightly better job starts to happen, and you get good people in who are performing more, you might have a little bit of money to throw some development or to get some manager and leadership training on day-to-day -day, um, inspirational uh, psychological paychecks, reward recognition stuff. Yeah. You, could, you could start doing projects, and, and that would take away from the CFO trying to do just the bare minimum yeah. to keep the compliance end. Yeah. Now, even companies that have an HR person. Or even could, outside. So it's outsourcing the HR is probably the best route to go in the very beginning stages of the company. Outsourcing the strategic part that you can't afford to have and you don't yeah. need yet. Yeah. But you, you, you wouldn't hire an architect to start designing your house after it's being started to build. You, you'd, sure. you'd want to do that first. So having It's like some, you wouldn't put up the framework without laying the foundation. Laying the foundation. Right? Yeah. So if in bigger organizations, HR persons have usually gotten to the point where they're trying to get that seat at the executive table to try to help add to the productivity level and the performance levels. But they, but they, they're not being seen as equals. They're not yeah. being given that opportunity. So a lot of times you'll see an outsourced um, mentor to them to try to come in and help that uh, if the organization is, is forward thinking. Okay. So a couple of takeaways, let's, let's um, use the HCROI kind of formula to to measure productivity which is always a good thing and then you know as people are implementing give human resources give your recruiting your talent acquisition team which is really handling most of your people a seat at the table that's right make sure they have a voice if they're asking the right questions and helping you select the right people you will see results financially absolutely so very cute so we're just about out of time for today's show. Rod, thanks again for your investment today. And um, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show community. Thanks, Rick. Um, now, I'm sure after what we've talked about, there's going to be some potential clients that want to get a hold of you. 
What's the best way to reach you? Well, I'm um, plugging for you. <laughs> the, there's two ways. One is my website, hrprimellc.com. Okay. And the other is um, my email, okay. which is rods, rod s at hrprimellc.com. Any particular kind of uh, customers that you're looking for at this time or any introductions you'd like? You, you know, the, the, the thing I think I had the most success with and that they have gotten the most out of for me is is the small company that has is is not quite reached a hundred people. There are fifty some odd people. There there maybe ten, and they 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 do have an office manager or a CFO doing their 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 HR work. Yeah. And and I could come in as I've done for several uh, medical device companies and others. Just you come in and and do a day a week. Sure. And it could be you know what we're going to build up your recruiting skills. We're going to set up a better onboarding process. We just do little bits and pieces, you know, and, and, and work on it. And always ask the question, what do you value? What do you want to do here? Where do you want to go? And how can I find people that are aligned with that? How can I help you find people? That gotcha. Are All right. Well, excellent. So any of you listeners who want to get a hold of Rod, give him a call. Um, so I want to thank our listening audience for tuning into this week's episode of Higher Power. A quick thanks to our production team, our engineer, Paul Roberts, our producers, Andrea Ballin, Shanti Ryle, and our executive producer, Kim Iverson. To listen to this show and any past episodes, you can check us out at Hire, that's H-I-R-E, PowerRadio.com, or Hire Power Radio on iTunes. Follow us also on LinkedIn, Facebook, at Hire Power Radio Show, or you can follow me on Twitter at Rick, R-I-C-K, underscore G-I-R-A-R-D. So we have another great show lined up for you guys next week. Tune in as our guest is going to be Dilip Jaggi, the founder of Device Interactive. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Thank you for listening to Higher Power with Rick Gerard on OC Talk Radio.